Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, prescribing hope for healthy families here on American Family Radio. Here's your host, professor, pediatric nurse practitioner, and mom of four, Dr. Jessica Peck. Well, hello, friends, and happy Friday, or Fry-yay, as my kids say. Yay, it's Friday. So if you have are one of those people who has a job that actually has a weekend, I don't know, I'm a nurse. Sometimes I don't have weekends. But if you are one of those people and you have got great plans for the weekend, then good for you. It's so exciting to see spring starting to arrive. We're at March now, so that makes me excited. And I'm going to give you a little heads up. I'm a little under the weather today, so if my voice is sounding a little, I don't know, Karen Carpenter-ish, or if that's your generation, then just be patient with me and we will push through together as I'm getting over a little something that I have. But today is Friday and today is Ask Dr. Nurse Mama Friday when I answer questions that I've been getting from listeners, from readers, from people where I'm traveling and parents where I'm speaking and just in my community questions that are being asked. And today I'm going to talk about healthy family relationships and using spring break to cultivate those and being intentional about your spring break, whether you're traveling, whether you're having a staycation, whether it's just going to be a normal kind of week. That's what's on the agenda for us to talk about today. Now, I hope that you are joining in on our 52 Habits for Healthy Parents. Every week we are introducing a new habit and we know that consistency over time is so important. And the more that we invest in our own health and our own as parents, as human beings, really, the relationships around us are going to be more healthy. So the more we invest in our physical health, our mental health, our emotional health, our spiritual health, that has vicarious benefits for our spouse, for our children, for our grandchildren, for anybody in our life. It really is true. If our prayer life is stronger, that is going to benefit those around us. So let me do a quick review of our habits up to date. You can do a little mental checklist as I read these off and think, are you implementing this or is this something that you need to go back and think about? So we went back, let's go all the way back to week one. Are you incorporating prayer more into your daily life? I'll tell you, I am really doing good on this one. I'm keeping a prayer journal and I am trying really hard to pray on the spot when people ask me. I'm trying to catch myself when I say, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you right now and just saying, can I just pray for you right now, whether I'm on the phone, whether I'm in person or my kids are texting me, asking me to pray for them. I'll just text them a voice prayer right back. And it's really been great. Week number two, memorizing scripture. I'm working on memorizing one scripture a week for this year, and I am nine scriptures in. I'm sharing those with you on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Nurse Mama. And my husband has his own set of scriptures that he is memorizing. So that's encouraging to see him taking on that challenge. I think he might even be one week ahead of me. I'll have to check on that, but he's doing great. Habit number three, plugging into a local church. Are you going to services on Sunday? If you're going, are you plugged into a life group? If you're in a life group, are you volunteering or whatever that may look like? Are you listening intentionally to Christian or worship music and integrating that into your daily schedule? 
Week number five, are you practicing intentional gratitude? Are you writing thank you notes or incorporating gratitude into your prayers? Or I have a gratitude playlist that has been on repeat because we know that intentional gratitude helps us to have healthier hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Week number six was listen with your face. Are you intentionally giving your loved ones, your children, your spouse, those around you, when they talk to you, are you putting down everything that's in your hands, especially a screen? And are you listening with your face? Week seven, bedtime routine. Are you integrating that into your home? Just two or three steps to signal your body that you're getting ready for bed. And the most important one of those is stopping screen time at least an hour before bedtime. I know, I know it's so hard. It's so really hard, but these are things that we know pay dividends. Week number eight, sleep hygiene. So looking at your sleep environment, that is really important. And thinking about how does your bed look? Is your bed made or is it dirty? And all of those things that go into preparing your physical place for where you sleep. Then week nine is a daily devotional. We've been talking about this to just, do you have five minutes a day? Do you have five minutes a day to do a daily devotional? Whatever that may be, that might be an app on your phone. It might be a physical book that you keep by your bed. It might be an audio devotional that you listen to. There are so many formats, but are you taking five minutes a day to set your heart and your mind and your attitude and your posture towards Jesus. Those are the habits, and I hope that you are jumping in on that, and I'd love to hear what you're learning about your journey. And I know that when we look together as a group a year from now, if you've integrated these habits, you're going to see those pay dividends for sure. Well, with that, I want to talk about spring break. And this is a great time to think about some of those rhythms that you have. And it's a good time too to take a break sometimes from those rhythms so that when you come back, you can be refreshed and renewed. But I want to give you a number to consider. That number is 6,574. Now, what is that? 6,574 is actually the number of days that you have as a parent from the time your child is born until the time they turn 18, 6,574 days. That means when we're thinking about these habits, we have 6,574 bedtime tuck-ins. So when we're thinking about bedtime routines, those can seem endless, but they do end and kids do move out. And I promise if you're in those early days of toddlerhood where they're so physically demanding, you will miss them. I promise. I can tell you that now looking back. You have 2,340 school lunches, 54 months of summer, about 20 tooth fairy visits or 20 teeth to lose, 18 birthdays, 13 first days of school, and one chance of a lifetime. Now in that is 65 days of spring break. So if you think about spring break in the terms of a normal school year, whether you're homeschooling or your kids go somewhere to school, you've got about 65 days of spring break. 
And I think that that is really important to think about. How do you curate those? How do you invest in those? What do you do during those timeframes? And it doesn't matter if your kids are really little or if they're older, or even if they're grown, there may be something that you can do for your kids, even if they're grown for spring break. And those are things to think about. So when we're the most important thing in all of this is cultivating family relationships. And so before I get into some specific tips for spring break, I wanted to share with you a, an article actually that my daughter wrote for her school newspaper and it made me cry a little bit. Maybe it'll make me cry today, but I wanted to share her wisdom with you because I, if you could only ever know what a scared to death anxiety ridden, insecure kind of mom I used to be, I knew I needed a new mindset and a new skill set going forward. And it's really been my joy to share that journey with you, sharing how I found hope and healing along the way. And to see my kids love each other and me, to have a good relationship with me as we learn and grow together is really the biggest blessing I have ever had. And we have opportunity during these holidays or times of break to really invest in those relationships. And I am really grateful. So she wrote this article. It's called family is forever. It's worth investing in your relationships with your siblings. She says in in her words, I'm the oldest of four and somehow the shortest, which is very true. When I came to Baylor, when I came to college in August of 2021, which now seems like a lifetime ago, An unopened world lay ahead of me, a new environment in which I could create my own experience. Being the oldest means you're the first for everything. Life as a guinea pig isn't always perfect, and there's something really scary about being the first to move out and forge your way forward. Wherever you fall in the sibling lineup, the fearful feeling of realizing home is no longer a permanent space is universal. When I left for college, I wasn't simply beginning a new life. I was leaving one at home as well. And try as I might, it's been five semesters, and I still don't think I've ever fully blended both places. While I was experiencing life on my own, whether fighting for survival, running through the college football games, or overcoming the challenges of rhetoric, my siblings were living their own lives too. They were just beginning the tumultuous days of junior high or playing baseball or learning to drive. Now that my brother's voices have become octaves deeper and they stand an entire foot taller than me, I'm sad it took me so long to realize such a simple truth. Just because I had already grown up and done most of the things that came along with it didn't mean they had. They are experiencing things for the very first time and they deserve all the attention and applause in the world for it. Your siblings are your very best friends and I do believe they are meant to be some of your best. There's no one else in the world who has walked so much of the same path as you or knows the ins and outs of your family dynamics. There's no one else who knows your heart by the look on your face or uses the same humor to cope at inappropriate moments as you do. Your relationships with your siblings are ones that are really worth investing in. It takes effort, especially if you live hundreds of miles apart. There are days I ask my brothers how they're doing and get a thumbs up emoji in response. But for every good or okay response you get, you're making a very wise investment in the sibling relational bank. Every sports reel you send or random YouTube challenge you watch means something. 
If you care about what your siblings care about, they'll interpret it as you caring about them. Personalities can be exponentially different, and there's a lot of family hurt that makes relationships really messy. My siblings and I don't have perfect relationships, but we have healthy ones. We call each other when we fail, and we pick each other up when we fall. We sometimes agree what to play on in the car and show up for each other, even if it's a mercy-ruled soccer game and it's freezing outside. Now that our time together is centered around holidays or vacations or college visits, it becomes so much more special. There will probably be some bickering, but there are also a lot of moments to store in my memory box. Now, why do I share that with you? I share that with you because I want you to know that as a family, we have been on a journey and my children have been a part of that journey just as much as I have in breaking bonds of generational trauma and relationship dysfunction. It's not enough. There are a lot of families out there I know who are like mine, who have had to cut off some unhealthy relationships and put boundaries up. And that is a difficult thing to do and should be done in step with wise spiritual counsel and careful consideration and prayer and following a biblical model for reconciliation. But when you do that, God can be so gracious in giving you a new way forward. And it's not enough just to cut off those relationships. You have to replace those skills that you have learned. You have to unlearn unhealthy patterns of communication and you have to relearn them. And there's a lot of room for grace in that. And I'll tell you, it is an investment that is worth paying off having a family now who loves to be together. I believe that this is achievable. And this is why I wrote my book behind closed doors, a guide for parents and teens to navigate through life's toughest issues, because I believe that in the context of a healthy relationship that is centered on Christ, that is dependent on God's word. I believe there is no challenge that you can't overcome together. That doesn't mean everything will be perfect. It doesn't mean that you'll never have conflict. It doesn't mean that you'll never have different relationships, but investing in those relationships, learning how to forgive, how to learn together and how to be together as a family. Those are skills. Those are all the things that we are talking about. So when we come back, I'll give some encouragement specifically for moms who may feel like they are on the struggle bus. And we'll talk a little bit about spring break and how you can make your spring break super special. Again, whether you're going on a trip, whether you're having a staycation or whether it's just going to be a normal kind of week and you've got some chores planned and spring cleaning, whatever that may be, I'll talk about how you can build your relationships along the way. I'll be right back. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58 thousand babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. Daisy and her husband had decided they never wanted kids. And when she found out she was pregnant, she immediately thought abortion. But after she and her husband met her baby on ultrasound and heard the heartbeat, their hearts melted and they chose life. Her baby Jeffrey is healthy and beautiful and Daisy and her husband can't even imagine life without him. Each of these babies are truly miraculous, and every day, Preborn celebrates 200 miracles. $28 a month can be the difference between the life and death of a child. 
When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection that doubles a baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. You're listening to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show with Dr. Jessica Peck on American Family Radio. Welcome back, friends. It is Friday or Fri-yay, as my kids say. Yay, it's Friday. We've made it through another week. And this is the day that I am answering questions and talking about what is on my heart. And what is on my heart today is healthy family relationships and spring break and how we can leverage that coming up to invest in our relationships with our family, especially between parents and kids. I am convinced I will say it a million times over. There is nothing in this world that we can't handle together. Not that it won't be easy, not that it won't be really difficult emotionally, uh, but I'm convinced there's nothing that we can't handle together in the context of healthy relationships that God won't use for our good and for his glory. Now, I know I'm talking to a lot of moms out there who just feel like they are in a season of struggle. This is a lot of the questions that I am getting. And let me tell you, parenting is not for the faint of heart. It is a labor of love that often goes without recognition or thanks. And the truth is we don't want to want that recognition or thanks. We want to be above that. You know, we want to be, oh, that's not why we're doing it. But insecurity is a constant companion of parenting. It just is. And it creates a quiet sort of craving for affirmation. We want to know that our kids love us. We want to know, honestly, that they like us and that we are enough and that we're not messing them up for life. So I want you, I'm telling you, take heart. Even if you're here listening to this radio program, I know that you care. I know that you're trying. And I also know that that means more than you think it means. And you don't give yourself enough credit for the effort that you're putting in. So if you're in a season of struggle, just be encouraged that the most important work that you're doing is not in those big moments like the best or most expensive or flashiest birthday party. It's not in the ultimate spring break vacation. It is not in being there for all of putting on a Pinterest worthy school event or winning a sports award. It is those everyday mothering moments, everyday parenting moments. It's those, how many did I tell you? 6,000 plus bedtime tuck-ins. It's those 2,000 plus lunches made. It is the everyday homework hassle. It's the carpool line. It is the laundry loads, the wiping noses and bottoms and reading the same book a thousand times and kissing boo-boos and hugs and understanding drama during teen heartbreak and coaching girl drama and cleaning boy messes and smelly socks and scrubbing floors and toilets and checkups and orthodontist visits. All of these things are so important. Anyone can be a rock star parent for a moment. Anyone can put their best foot forward for a big event. And that is what we as parents are looking at a lot. We see everybody else's 
rock star moments, but we only see and obsess about our failures. But let me tell you, it is the mundane that becomes miraculous over time. Those unseen moments that no one but heaven applauds at the time where your excellence and parenting is fixed in the heart of your children. It is those investments that often see no short-term results. What feels unseen, unheard, unknown, and unappreciated, all of those things, here's the secret. Those things are actually your real-life legacy. So stop comparing your secret struggles to public praise given to other parents, the ones that seem like they have it all together. Stop comparing your worst day to someone else's best day. You may not be perfect, but you are the perfect parent for the child God gave you. Remind yourself once again, I say this all the time, Planting and harvesting don't happen in the same season, but consistent care over time nurtures growth. As parents, we often treat our kids like we're growing a chia pet. We want to do minimal effort. Just take that thing out of the box, put a little water in it, put it next to the window, and next day we see growth. But it's not like that. You've heard me say before that parenting is like growing a pineapple. The first time I was in a pineapple field, I was out there and there is nothing but red dirt for just yards and yards and yards for as far as I can see. But the workers are out there taking care of the dirt because they know they have planted seeds under that dirt and they know if they're faithful to water it, if they're faithful to weed it, if they're faithful to care for it, to protect it, that that plant will grow. We have to remember planting and harvesting doesn't happen in the same season. Consistent care over time nurtures that growth. Have faith in the seeds that you're caring for, knowing they will bloom in just the right season. Our kids need to see that confidence in our eyes because they don't have that confidence in themselves a lot of times. And we need to say, I know that you may be struggling with this right now, but you will overcome it. We will move on from this. This will not define your life. And that's where as parents, we have to be really careful not to generalize a behavioral struggle into a character flaw. And a lot of times as parents, we do that. And especially in times like spring break or when they're home more and our patience wears thin, they may be struggling with messiness, but we start to generalize it by saying, why are you always so fill in the blank. Why can't you ever, why will you just never? And we start to generalize that and use identity based language instead of saying, Hey, you're a really good kid who's struggling with keeping their room clean. So let's see, what can we do to help you get over that? Instead of saying you are just so lazy and so disrespectful and you just never listen to what I say and you know, you're never going to get your room clean and your life as you know, it is over. And we just start into this spiral. So try to stop yourself and catch yourself when you find yourself using that generalizing language and say, okay, what is the behavior that I'm struggling, that we're struggling with right now? 
And what's the character behind it? And where is evidence that I see that they don't have that character flaw? So if they're not cleaning their room, you might think they're lazy. Well, where in their life are they not being lazy? And call those moments out during that time of struggle. Say, I know you're not lazy because I saw the way that you mowed the yard. I know you're not lazy because I saw the way you helped your dad. What is the struggle here that is making you lazy with cleaning your room and making it specific? That is really, really important. So when you're looking towards this time of being together, whether it's spring break or even starting to think about summer, when our kids are home for spring break, we start to feel pressure. If you're like me, it's March 1st. So you start to think, okay, what are we doing? Where are we going? What am I going to plan? I feel like I have to be, you know, the best activity planner. It's got to be extraordinaire. Our friends are going skiing at Vail. You know, we are definitely not doing that. Or you start to feel that pressure and that comparison and thinking, oh, well, we're staying home and oh, we're going to, but we'll make it a staycation. We almost feel like we have to apologize for giving our kids a staycation. What in the world is wrong with us? Really? We do not have to plan every minute of our kids' lives to be epic fun or an Instagram worthy photo. We need to just really reject all of those kinds of pressure and just think this is a time for your family to spend some extra time together. And the truth is, it really doesn't matter what you do. Because according to research, I know that this is not what parents think, but what kids want more than anything else is they want your time. Really, truly, it doesn't matter if you're having a spontaneous picnic in the backyard with leftovers, or you're skiing down the slopes of Vail, or you're cruising the Caribbean, it doesn't matter. What matters is your time. So, you know, even if you have the fanciest vacation, if you're on your phone working the whole time, that can be, oh, that's hard. Oh, these are such hard things in such tender places. And I tread gently because I am with you on the struggle bus. I definitely struggle with that. But I want you to think no matter what you're doing, no guilt trips about vacations, no guilt trips about staying home, just whatever it is that your family is feeling called or equipped or able to do, how can you invest in quality relationship building with your kid instead of investing in making sure they have the most epic experience? And again, I love to travel. I really do love that. But it doesn't matter if I don't have intentional relationship building. So here are some questions that if you're thinking you're not sure what you're going to do for spring break, or you're thinking, well, we have plans, but I really haven't made plans for relationship building. Here are four questions that you can ask your kids to get started. Ask them, what do you feel like you need a break from in your life right now? What is it that you need a break from? Like, do you need a break from the pressure of some sort of competition? You need a break from homework. You need a break from me nagging on you about keeping your room clean. What is it in your life that you feel like you need a break from? Question number two, what would you do for spring break if you had a whole day of free time with no chores and no responsibilities? You just had the entire day to yourself a dream day, what would you do? And then parents, we can think about that and think, then how, what are elements of that, 
that might be surprising that you could implement into your day. Because I'll tell you a lot of times, kids will surprise you with what they want or what they're thinking. And I love that. I love being surprised by my kids and getting to know their personalities and what they're thinking about and how they're feeling. Question number three, this is a really hard one. I'm going to give you a little disclaimer. Ask them, what would you ask me to do with you if you knew I wouldn't say no? What would you ask me to do? Now that might be playing a video game. That might be lacing up their shoes and doing a sports workout. That might be reading a book. That might be binge watching a show. That might be, what is it that you would ask me not for them to just do like, Oh, what can I just go do? If you wouldn't say no, what would you do with me? What would you ask me to do with you? Question number four, what can I do to help you rest and relax this week? Now that is a really hard one. And you know, I think sometimes as parents today, we feel guilty about resting and relaxing. And we feel like if we don't do anything all day, oh, well, that was a waste of a day. We could have done this or we could have done that. No parents, we were made to rest and to relax. And those kinds of things are really, really important. And so don't feel guilty if you have a day where everybody does nothing and just stays in their jammies all day long and eat ice cream for breakfast. I don't know. Think outside of the box. That is important. Now, if you are going to travel together, you know, I think back to when my kids were younger and we first started traveling together as a family. Honestly, it was a really heavy lift for me as a mom. Can we just give a shout out to all the moms out there who are packing for trips? Because you have to pack each suitcase individually because otherwise, if I let my kids pack on their own, I'm going to arrive with mismatched winter clothes at a beach or no underwear or an odd assortment of broken toys and open food packages. Like that is how that's going to happen. I'm type A. I can't do that. Packing baby gear is a ninja level parenting exercise. You have to think through every possible what if scenario and you're preparing accordingly. What if there's a poopy diaper explosion on a plane or you, do we have snacks so that we can avoid a major meltdown? Or do we have extra clothes for the moment that you let your kid throw up on you to avoid throwing up in your new minivan? Oh, is that only me? Okay. I'm talking about the real, the real days of parenting y'all. I know that there are people out there who are saying, yes, this is me when like all of these, these things are just ruling our lives. There was one time that my husband literally threw our stroller in a dumpster, leaving a trip because he was so sick of jiggling the handle just right to get it collapsed for the bus ride. <laughs> Whoops. You may wonder if it's worth it as you spoon feed every bite, as you bathe every body, as you manage every meltdown, and you part with every penny for an experience that really doesn't seem to impress them. This is like the kids at Christmas liking the box more than they like the gift. But then you look at that one photo of a smiling face and it's treasured and it's framed and all of a sudden you know it's worth it and you're going to do it again. Now that my kids are older, traveling kind of takes on a life of its own. But here uh, we talk a lot about traveling with little kids, but traveling with teens can be really exciting. A lot of families can find that stressful because of the relationship content, uh, conflict that can come with that. But here are three reasons I love traveling with my teens. One, 
Traveling teaches them the world is bigger than where we live. They meet new people, they experience different cultures, and they gain confidence navigating new situations. Number two, they gain practical skills. They learn how to read maps, even though my kids troll their grandmother mercilessly about, oh, are you going to get out your map? Because she still likes to read a map. I don't see anything wrong with maps, mom. I, I think you're good. But they learn how to navigate, to budget, to make reservations, to be flexible when plans change and how to plan meals. Number three, time together away from distractions have an invitation to go out that night or their doorbell ringing or friends coming over or the temptation to nag them about their rooms or their chores. All of those things just kind of float blissfully away for a few short days. And most of all, I just love their company. So what do you love about traveling with kids? I would love to know if you're watching live on Facebook, just drop your answer in the chat and I'd love to hear from you. When we come back, I'm going to give you some specific tips for traveling with teens, and we're going to talk about some safety issues that teens may face. Specifically, I'm going to talk about Borgs. So if you don't know what that is, you're going to want to stick around because I'm going to tell you when we come back. Don't go away. Podcast of the Dr. Nurse Mama Show are available on the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to Dr. Jessica Peck on American Family Radio. Well, hey, friends, and welcome back to Friday. Yay for Friday. It is Ask Dr. Nurse Mama Friday, where I'm answering your questions, sharing some encouragement, and sharing what's on my heart and on my mind. And we've been talking about real, there's just some encouragement and those difficult days of parenting. And you are not alone. I hope that you know that this is not a job for the faint of heart, but it is such a worthy calling and such a worthy investment. And we've been talking about spring break and what you're going to do, whether you are having a staycation or a regular sort of week, or whether you have a phenomenal trip planned. I want you to be just as intentional in planning relationship moments as you are in planning those experiential moments. So where is the time that is built in to invest in each other, whether that might be a silly game or some time to talk together? There are some tips and tricks for ways to do that. So let me, I was talking, let me go back to where I was talking about a traveling specifically with teenagers. Now, this is a question I get a lot. For toddlers, you find a lot of advice on how to travel with toddlers. We all know it all all comes down to goldfish. I mean, let's just be honest. You travel with goldfish and you have honestly a screen for emergencies. Like that's just how we're going to travel with toddlers. Make sure you have extra clothes. And you know, if you're traveling on a plane, maybe bring candy for people sitting around you. I've seen some people do that, but there are a lot of tips and tricks on that, but there are not a lot of people talking about traveling with teens. And honestly, this can be hard because parents have such high hopes, but teens feel like, oh, they're isolated from their friends. So maybe I'm not too thrilled about that. 
or maybe they think that, you know, they, uh, they have an attitude or there's just conflict there and they have FOMO. That's fear of missing out what's going on back home. And you may start to feel some resentment because you've planned this great experience for them, whether it's just a day family outing or family activity together, or whether you've spent a lot of time and money on planning a vacation and your kid just seems so ungrateful. This is really hard. So here's some tips that I have for you. As you're going into thinking about spring break or summer and how you can involve uh, involve them, there are some ways that you can do this. All right, first of all, invite them to help you plan, whatever that may be, whether it's a day of family fun, an evening, a week, this can help them feel competent and confident finding options that are friendly for every destination, every budget, every age group, thinking about all of the age ranges of your family that will be traveling. And it can also encourage them to be eager to participate in that chosen activity rather than complaining and just feeling like you're dragging them along when they don't really know what's going on. So how is this, how does this go in practice? Well, when my family is going to take a trip or have a day, I give my teens the dates, I give them a budget, I give them a route map, whether that's driving or flying, and I tell them, here is your budget, here's how much we want to spend, here's the method of travel that I'm willing to take, here's how far I'm willing to go, and I want you to come up with three proposals for the family, three proposals for what we can do. Now, this can be something as simple as, are we going to go you know, bowling or skating or out to eat, or it can be even, you know, games that you play at home, or it can be something as complicated as a trip, as a trip. And uh, so some of my favorite vacations I've taken with my kids are ones that my teenagers have planned. And honestly, here's the secret for the most part. I just kind of sat back and relaxed in their prep work. And I was able to say yes, no, maybe so. And that was it. Second, give them opportunities to be independent. This is a thing that we see with young kids and older kids. So give them opportunities to speak to people who are providing services to them. If you haven't heard of order anxiety, this is a real phenomenon. You will see reels about it where kids talk about how just something as simple as going up to the counter and ordering something or calling to schedule a haircut or just speaking to someone at a store when you're trying to find something they cannot do it. It makes them so anxious. So even from the time that they're young, give them opportunities to be independent and to be, uh, to ask questions. You may be there for support, but it is really essential for kids and teens, especially to develop navigational life skills as they prepare uh, to to be on their own. I mean, they're not going to be with us forever. They may, will go to college or they'll become adults and they'll enter the workforce. They may go to a trade school, especially for teens. They need to know that you don't see them as little kids and that you have confidence in their ability. So take advantage of setting some safe parameters and then just let them go. So here's how that looks like in practice. Ask them to sit in the front seat on a road trip and serve as the navigator. A lot of times my husband will do this and say, hey, mom's going to drive, you're going to navigate, and I'm going to be the backseat passenger and I'll be the DJ. Let them navigate. Now there's a safety uh, there's a safety measure in there and that I know where we're going. I'm not going to get lost, but it still helps them to practice. If you're at the airport 
If they have a phone, separate from them. Now, again, this depends on their age, but let them navigate security independently, or you can tell them, you lead us to our gate. You show us where to go and how to get there. If you're somewhere and you need directions or assistance, ask your children to handle those direct interactions and requests with service persons. Give them small amounts of cash and they can tip staff or cleaning personnel or your guides or just anyone that needs that kind of interaction. Task them with figuring out departure times. If we're, we need to be here at this time, what time do we need to be ready? What time do we need to leave? And then you know what happens? Instead of you yelling at your teenager saying, come on, let's go, let's go, it's time to go. They're yelling at you, which is actually kind of nice. And they'll say, come on, we have to go. Remember, I told you we have to leave at this time because they want to make sure that they're showing that they were able to estimate the time appropriately. So that's just a little life hack I'm giving you for free today. Next, encourage them to try something new. So whatever you're doing over spring break, whatever your budget, whatever your destination, try something new as a family together. It is so gratifying to see kids who can do something that they thought they could never do or to conquer a fear that holds them back. Create spaces and opportunities for them to have a new experience. It really gives them confidence to navigate other unfamiliar situations where they might be a little scared. And if they're not eager, don't push it. Don't shame them. Don't make it a power struggle or a guilt trip. Like, really, you're not going to do this. Really, you're going to be the only one who stays back here. Just let it go and just say, okay, you can stay here and, you know, wait for us at the end or wait for us here or that kind of thing, providing opportunity. And you set the example by going first. Now in practice, what does that look like? Well, if you happen to be in Louisiana and someone offers you a chance to hold a baby alligator, then you do it. Oh, that's me. <laughs> that was specifically me. We were in an airboat in Louisiana and we were looking for alligators and we honestly didn't find that many. And so the next thing I knew, our boat guide opened a cooler in the boat, grabbed out a baby alligator and held it out and wanted to know who wanted to hold it. Well, my kids were younger. They were not that eager. And I thought, all right, here's a chance for me to step out of my comfort zone. And I said, I will, I will hold it. And so I did, I held the alligator while the lady next to me was screaming her head off and jumping in my lap. This is a real story. You can ask any of my kids or my husband. After I passed the alligator around, I did um, get out hand sanitizer and sanitize my hands. And the boat guide looked at me and he said, what are you doing? I said, sanitizing my hands. And he said, and I quote, this is a direct quote, lady, my gator ain't dirty. <laughs> and you know what? It was a new experience that if I wasn't a little under the weather, I'd be laughing harder for sure. But it was a new experience that we still laugh about to this day. And my kids will say that when I'm using hand sanitizer and that created a bonding moment. So how can you do that if you're not going to Louisiana and riding an airboat for spring break? Schedule a new experience together. Go hiking, go camping, paint, cook, bike, go zip lining, ride a roller coaster. Lead the way by surprising your kids in doing something they would not expect you to do. I'm telling you, this is one of the most gratifying things I can do as a mom. If I step out and do something, they think, 
I never thought you would have done that. I just feel this little sense of pride and like, well, I have other surprises for you too, because I was actually alive for a really long time before you were born. And maybe there's sides of me that you don't know. That's exciting. All right. The next one, you're going to love this one. Take away their tech. Yep. I said it. I just, it's bold, but I dare you. I dare you to do it. Take away their tech. It is good for all of us to disconnect and take a break. So think about designating a tech-free vacay day where everyone, that means parents too, everyone agrees to disconnect from their phones and devices. Now, my family and I did this over the summer. We got a little box, just a little plain cardboard box, and we'd have box time for our phones where we'd all put our phones in the box. We'd all agree to it. And then we'd engage in an activity together. But I am telling you, our kids need to know the world will not stop if they go offline for a day. And you know what? You need to know it too. Really? They, we need to be free from the pressure of social media, snap streaks, Insta ready media appearances, work emails, family drama, whatever it is, we all need a tech vacation. So what does this look like in practice? Well, put out a puzzle, host a movie night with snacks, play board or card games, or take a walk, plan a water fun day, an adventure somewhere that has no cell service. Now, if you plan ahead, this avoids the pressure of taking the devices. It simply happens. It's one of the most beautiful things. And why my husband and I love to take our children to national parks, because more often than not, as soon as you drive, you say, oh, well, I guess we don't have cell service. And then you don't even have to be the bad guy. Having no cell service in a rural area creates very entertaining adventures. And you can still take pictures. Um, let me tell you for spring break, one of the big things here in Houston is the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. I was there last night and there was a college age kid right in front of me. And he was just so excited about this newfangled technological device that he had that was like a little camcorder. Okay. He thought it was so new and so exciting was showing everybody that it takes pictures and movies. And, you know, my husband and I were laughing a little bit, but take advantage of this generation's affinity for all things vintage. And that is okay to do. All right. Last, but certainly not least schedule downtime kids. And we do too. We need space to relax and just simply be so resist the urge to schedule every moment and set aside some specific time for them to be in their phone guilt-free to connect with their friends or letting them hang out or if they want to stay in, you know, those kinds of things. And so you can say, Hey, uh, I'm going to schedule an hour this afternoon for you to be on your phone and catch up on your text messages or talk with your friends or social media. Honestly, that little bit of offering and just scheduling it, kind of negotiating that instead of all day, like, why are you on your phone? Just saying, hey, I'd like for you to be off your phone for the morning, but I'll schedule in an hour this afternoon for you to catch up on everything. That little bit can go a really long way. Well, I hope you found those, uh, those tips helpful. I want to talk to you about a couple of other things. I do want to say something about Borgs. Now a Borg is, and why I'm talking about this is because a lot of teenagers will go out with their friends. They will not intentionally 
seek out trouble, but trouble will intentionally seek out them. And sometimes kids don't intend to get themselves in a situation where they can encounter risk, but it does happen. And I do see a lot of Borgs for spring break. I'll post about this on my social media, but in the minutes I have left, this is called a blackout rage gallon. And it's actually been quite popular for a couple of years now. So this is where you take a gallon jug, you make it with water, alcohol, a caffeinated flavor enhancer and powered electrolytes. And it's touted as a hangover proof drink. Now, again, I will say zero alcohol is safe for developing teen brains. So there are some parents who will say, well, I'd rather them drink and my supervision than go out somewhere else. It is not, that's not the issue. The issue is that it's not safe for their brains. So that's important. But one of the reasons that people say that Borgs are are less harmful is that it avoids drink sharing. So you don't get sick. It's a closed container system. So it makes it difficult to spike. It allows control over how much alcohol is added. So, and then even people who kids who choose not to drink, they have less social pressure to do so because they have their own drink, but they can be very dangerous for those who don't moderate over time. No alcohol is safe for a teen brain. And combining alcohol and energy supplements is very dangerous and increases the likelihood of ending up in the emergency room. And in addition, alcohol increases the risk of assault with as many as 15% of college freshman girls being assaulted while they are intoxicated, which does not in any way justify it. But talk to your kids about this. Ask them. What situations do you see coming up where you might find pressure to drink? And what would you do if you found yourself there? And make a code word that your teen can use as an emergency exit. Well, those are all the things for today. I'll see you next week for a full week. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.